What up, what up, everybody? This is Double G for the Fight Game Podcast. Uh, Before we get to the main event of the podcast, which is the Extreme Rules uh, coverage, uh, Jason Hagholm, my buddy, who used to be known as the Dirty White Boy, uh, he and I get together and we discuss the entire Extreme Rules show. Um, Some good, mostly sort of boring and head scratching and uh some bad as well uh but you know we're, we 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 try to uh look at the show in uh, in the best possible light but uh, when when it comes to some stuff that doesn't make sense and when WWE is often at its uh most uh not not even bad just there un, you know you don't you, you're not really caring too much about the product um and, and so we try to give our honest critique of the show uh, but before we before uh, I, I pass it on to that part, I wanted to go over a couple of things because Jason did not uh, has not had a chance to catch up to G one, and we kind of talk about that uh, at the end. But also, uh, he did not um, watch the uh, the Manny Pacquiao fight. So uh, the Manny Pacquiao fight. Um, he fought Lucas Matisse, and that was on ESPN Plus. It was their it was their uh, their streaming service. Now I've watched a couple of fights on ESPN Plus. I watched uh, Amir Khan's comeback, and then I watched Terence Crawford and uh, and Jeff Horn. And so far, so good for me with ESPN Plus. I haven't had any issues with streaming. I've streamed on uh, the iPhone, the iPad, and through the Apple TV, and all have been. A really good experience. So for me, ESPN Plus has been uh, has been good. So the fight, uh, Pacquiao. You know, if you if you are a Manny Pacquiao fan, and you are a little, I guess, depressed with you know just the fact that fighters get old and they often don't. Um, you know, rare, there's a rare number of fighters who, as they get older, can sustain their excellence. A lot of that is. When that happens, it is through sort of machinations of matchmaking and stuff. But, you know, Manny Pacquiao looked the best that he's looked in a very long time in this fight. Not to say that it was, you know, this was a throwback to 2008 Manny Pacquiao. Uh, but this was a really good matchup for him in Matisse, who uh, from an, from a just, a, I guess, athletic standpoint, just a, a different tempo and a different speed uh, of fighter. Um, he he often <laughs> was was afraid to throw his right hand because I I, I think at least because he uh, saw three punches coming back at him um, and and just uh, this was a really good match for Pacquiao uh, he pro- Pacquiao is probably not going to do a lot of damage with uh, with good fighters and young fighters and this is the boxing game you know the the young sort of survive and rule and uh, the older fighters who lose a little bit of athleticism and speed. Um, you know they have to be excellent at at other things, and and for Manny, um, what Manny's great at, uh, he can still be good at with fighters like Matisse. But you put him in with a Terence Crawford or a Keith Thurman or a, a, you know Lomachenko, like he's not going to have this kind of success just because the athleticism that he has is, um, which looks great against Matisse, doesn't look so great against those kind of guys. Um, and, but, you know, if you, if you love Pacquiao, go out of your way to watch this fight because it may be the last time that you see the old Pacquiao come out. It's his first knockout 
win uh, in many, many years. And uh, he he looked great. Like, you can't take anything away from him. There was the the disagreement with Freddie Roach, which I'm assuming has to do with the fact that Roach wants him to retire and, and Manny still needs to fight for monetary reasons and for, you know, maybe he, he just has that passion still. Um, and uh, it was also a fight that was really done without Bob Arum in his corner. Uh, Arum wanted him on the uh, the paper or the uh, the Terrence Crawford Jeff Horn match as the uh, the second from the top and they were going to put that on pay-per-view. Manny did not want to be put in that position. He felt that if it was a pay-per-view success, it would be based off of his name. He is probably right about that. Uh, And he did not want to do it on that show. So they went out to Malaysia and uh, and did it on ESPN+. Uh, Aram, I believe, helped with the promotion uh, and with the TV. I'm sorry, not the promotion, but the TV aspect, the U.S. TV rights. Uh, I think he, he was a big part of that. De La Hoya, uh, Golden Boy, was a, a part of the promotion as well. So um, go out of your way. Check it out. ESPN Plus is like $6. If you haven't seen the fight and you're a big Pacquiao fan, go for it. Uh, ESPN Plus is going to be a bigger thing for fight fans uh, and for MMA fans uh, in the very, very near future. So I would suggest that you check it out. And if you are an MMA fan and a boxing fan, you're probably going to find a lot of use from the app. Uh, the other thing I just wanted to talk about was uh, I was on uh, the Wrestling Observer radio show. Uh, I pinch hit for Brian Alvarez, who has hosted. Uh, I can't even. I can't even th- think about how many times he and Dave have gotten together. Probably, gosh, I, I wonder what the real count is—like seven hundred shows or something for Wrestling Observer Radio. Uh, they um, Brian was actually wrestling. He and Filthy Tom Lawler were wrestling the Rock and Roll Express. And he didn't have time to watch a lot of the stuff that he would have needed to watch to do the show with Dave. <clears throat> he asked me to do it. Uh, and so uh, Dave and I did it uh, Saturday night after UFC, uh, the UFC show in from Boise. Um, so if you are a Wrestling Observer subscriber, check that out. Uh, we had a really good conversation, probably the first half hour of the show, about the ROH, uh, the ROH Madison Square Garden uh, ROH and New Japan, actually, uh, slash uh, Madison Square Garden show, which is going to be WrestleMania weekend. They had announced the date a few weeks ago, and then the announcement was that uh, they didn't have the date anymore. And so uh, word was out there that you know they were taking this seriously and they were possibly going to sue, and all of a sudden, they have the date again. So there was a conversation, a few of the things we talked about, um, just the idea that, you know, Vince McMahon still has his fastball and he kind of got, he had to acquiesce to this situation. Uh, you know, he, he, I'm sure he didn't want them to have that deal, which was, or have that date, which was the reason why they got pushed out. Uh, I, if he still has his fastball, I'm thinking that, you know, he probably wants some of their guys. He wants to force, um, them so that they don't either they don't succeed with this show, which if you take some of their guys, their show is not as big, or um, make it so that you know the next time they want to do something like this, uh, they also don't have the talent to do so. 
It was uh, it was it was pretty interesting because we talked about a few different angles. I mean, is it too early for ROH and New Japan to kind of come out guns a blazing like they like they did? Is it better to stay a little bit more under the radar? I I don't know. I mean, I as a wrestling fan, I'm really happy that they got that date because because uh, that's going to be an amazing show. New Japan plus ROH at Madison Square Garden. Uh, and I, I mean, I hope I can actually get out there for that. That's something that I would actually travel to see, um, along with you know just it being WrestleMania weekend and wanting to be out in in the New York area. Um, so check that out, Wrestling Observer Radio. I uh, I had I had a lot of fun, um, but I think you know Brian wrestles like once every seven or eight years, and so if if he keeps that schedule, you know I may be doing uh, Wrestling Observer Radio again in uh, 2026 no but i'm just kidding it was it was a it was a lot of fun and uh you know that show you know to do that show i think i you know i had to watch a lot of stuff and uh and i prepped i had notes and just pages and pages of stuff probably took me two or three hours just to just to put together so that we had a bit of a format so uh, a lot of fun but man you know brian and dave do that two times at least every week uh much respect to to them for continuing that kind of schedule because uh, that, that that was a lot of <clears throat> that was a lot of work um the last thing i want to talk about before we get to the extreme rule uh, extreme rules review that jason and i did uh is uh, g1 now we are as of this recording i i don't think that night three has begun yet but we are uh we are in the books with nights one and two Night one, I, I talked to uh, to Dave about on Wrestling Observer Radio, but basically, you know, really solid show. Uh, Tanahashi and Suzuki uh, was the best match, at least I thought. Um, and uh, Jay White and Okada was also really good with, you know, the upset victory by, uh, by Jay White. Um, night two was actually a much better show. And the main event was Kenny Omega and, uh, and Naito. And, you know, I, I can't, I, I have a hard time, you know, I can remember who hit leadoff for the 1987 Giants on opening day, but I, yeah, I have problems like remembering spots and matches and which match was better, you know, after a few years have passed. But after watching this match, the first thing I thought was, that might be my favorite Tetsuya Naito match ever. And I know he was, you know, he's been in tons of big matches. He was in the Tokyo Dome with Okada. He, uh, he and he and Kenny were in the finals of the G1 last year. But but that was my first thought was, wow, that was my favorite Naito match ever. Um, but you should go out of your way to to uh, to see that match. Kenny was great. Naito was great. I don't know if it's five stars or whatever, but. Uh, it, it, it's it's been the best match in the first two two days and when you get a match that good on night two man there's there's a lot of good stuff to to look to look forward to um also you know you had you had uh uh kotobushi and zach saber uh that match started a little slow and you know maybe it was a few minutes long but different match right different style like you when 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 you have a Zack Sabre match you know the style is going to change and it's it's going to be lots of submissions and lots of transition holds and and this the tempo and the pace is going to get interrupted a lot um and Ibushi's a you know he's a prime time player he's he's one of the best guys out there sometimes he's a little overzealous and and uh you know he'll 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 miss some stuff but 
Yeah, the guy is just ridiculous athlete. So both of those matches, uh, excellent. Uh, Goto and Sonata was another really good match. Um, I, I mentioned my buddy John LaRocca in, in the in the discussion with Jason, but <clears throat> first thing you know, LaRocca just said, "Oh, I love that match." Uh, Sonata steps; he's just been stepping his game up. He's such a great athlete, and and Goto's you know Goto's just rock solid at, at, at everything. And, uh, even, even the other two, you know, Tomatong and Juice Robinson, not, not the best match. It's, you know, probably the worst match on, on, on night two, if I was to kind of, you know, think about it a little bit, but they're also, you know, it's also part of a, of a, of a storyline, which is, you know, the, 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 the few storylines in, in G1 outside of just who's going to win, you know, the entire thing is, you know, the sort of the bullet club angle that, that happened at, in San Francisco last weekend. So, um, that is happening with every match with, uh, with Tonga and Fale, uh, is, is just sort of, you know, you have who, you have to push those guys up a level, uh, and, and Tonga beat Juice Robinson here. Uh, and I love Juice. Juice, I got to talk to him a little bit uh, last weekend. Uh, fantastic, just charismatic, different, um, almost like uh, young and free spirited. But uh, gosh, that the, I have a feeling that that guy is uh, is going to be doing big things. Uh, he's already, you know, he's already really popular with with fans but I, I have a feeling there's a few more levels left to him and then the opener uh, on tonight's show, or last night's show was uh, Ishii and Yano <clears throat> just fun just like per- the perfect opener um you know Yano taking things a little bit more seriously and getting into Ishii's face and um just uh you know going toe-to-toe and showing that you know he he can stand he can you know stand with them, uh, just fun match that you know that there was still in every Yano match there's you know there's the comedy aspect and sometimes it's overdone and sometimes uh, it's perfect. Uh, he he didn't do too much of it here, but there was still enough of it to where um, you know at at nine minutes or however long the match was, it was it was it was great, especially for the opener. So if uh, the first two days are any. Uh, any inclination about the rest of the tournament it's it's going to be fantastic last year was the first time that i actually was able to go uh keep basically keep up with uh daily with <clears throat> all the all the matches and uh, and i'm going to try to do it again this year uh, we got a little you know group text uh with with uh, ratings and stuff and how how what our favorite matches are we're going to publish that on fightgameblog.com like we did last year Alan Farrell, uh, John LaRocca, myself, David Rubio, trying to get Duan to, to throw his hat in there. We'll see. He may not be able to have the time to watch all of it, but, um, but yeah, if you, if you, if you have a little bit of time, if you have an hour a night, uh, you can keep up with this stuff. If you fast forward through the, the entrances and some of the unnecessary stuff, you know, it, it may take you an hour and a half to get through everything. And even, you know, you may want to fast forward or skip through some of the matches that don't intrigue you, but it's worth trying to keep up with it. And uh, it ta- it's, it's a lot, it's a, it's a big commitment, but um, it's usually worth it. And, and it's uh, last year when I did it, I, the first thing I thought about was, wow, that's the most wrestling I've watched in three weeks, <laughs> uh, you know, at a time before in my life. And the second thing I thought was, 
man, that was like the most fun I've ever had being a wrestling fan. So if you if you if you can keep up with it, it's it's uh, it's well worth your time. Anyways, let me get to the podcast uh, or the uh, review part of this podcast uh, with Jason Hagholm. Uh, we talk about extreme rules. Thanks for uh, thanks for checking in. Fightgameblog.com. Give me a hell yeah! I said, give me a hell yeah! back with my old pal Jason Hagholm. We don't do this enough. I know we always say that we're going to do it more often, but hey, when we have the opportunity to do this once or twice a year, it's always a blast. What's up, Jason? Not too much. Happy that uh, I thought it was old pay-per-view time and only saw, I missed the first two hours of the show, which seems to be like the right thing in my mind, but all <laughs> in all, it was interesting show and i'm doing i guess better for it saving myself two hours so i wonder how many people forgot that the show was an hour early like i think the i think what they'd been doing is for the big shows they were starting an hour early because they wanted a four-hour runtime. Mm-hmm. Um, but then they had recently changed and said that they were going to do that for all the shows now and i wonder how many people like yourself um, didn't realize that the show actually started at uh, so 7 p.m. your time, 4 p.m. my time. Six actually with the pre-show. Well, if you wanted to watch the pre-show, for sure, for sure. So that started at 6 p.m. Honestly, though, it's like I understand. I guess why they want to do it, make every show go a little bit longer for like use of your subscription on the network. But it really also kills the value of those bigger shows a little bit by them going forever and. Just the fact of these shows going longer just because you can is also a detriment to your fans. Like you're going to turn more fans away than gain fans. So um, I promise you I will, <laughs> I will not do this more than, than just this one time. But uh, if uh, last night uh, I, I did a Wrestling Observer Radio with, uh, with Dave Meltzer and we talked about why – these shows want to be longer and one of the reasons is is because they want the overall streaming numbers to be higher uh per user i guess so per per subscriber they want the average streaming time to be longer and the shows that do the you know that 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 do the most hours are obviously these long pay-per-view shows so that's part of the reason why we get these long shows is so that they can hit their uh you know they can hit their targets with their analytics yeah but i don't know it's like if you know they're gonna be this long honestly just let the show air its course and just wait for it like right after it's over because it'll be on demand you can fast forward through stuff it works that way and in the long run i think you're just gonna see that those numbers for people watching these shows just dwindle as they go on because people are like i got other stuff to do this is too much for me, and I think you'll see those streaming numbers maybe dip down, especially on these type of a shows. I think your big four will still do pretty well, but a show like this, I 
don't know how much you can really get people to pay attention to four hours of wrestling on a Sunday night in the summertime. <laughs> well, for sure, one of the reason, one of the ways that they could uh, hurt their their numbers is to put on bad shows like the one that we saw tonight. Oof, there was some bad stuff, uh, and and the good did not outweigh the bad in this uh, in this case. But before we actually get to the show. Um, the news broke out this morning, uh, and I had heard something about this last night, uh, that Hulk Hogan was uh, not suspended anymore. After three years, WWE unsuspended him and reinstated him back into their Hall of Fame. So Hogan is back on the list. He is no longer persona non grata, as one Dylan McKay told uh, Jason Priestley one time. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, uh, and so Hogan is back, and he supposedly talked to um, the, the locker room today. And, uh, and what, 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 was your, uh, what was your reaction to the Hulkster being back? Um, my reaction to this, honestly, was, I mean... Him coming back, I guess, name value-wise is important because of what he means to that company. Um, I think it's still going to be really tough for him to uh, go out in public and stuff. And in a way, though, also makes WWE look really weird when they were pretty stern on this with his comments. And they're obviously uh, a company at international levels and a publicly traded company. They're no to racism, but they're going to will willing to give this guy a second chance. But because and this is also the same company that didn't want to put China in their Hall of Fame because of her porn career when this guy's also got the same <laughs> background as well and you know was pretty rough on the publicity trail trying to get himself out of the I'm not a racist because everyone talked like that in the 70s and certain things it makes them look a little bad I'm okay it's gonna I don't know if I need to see him on TV much I mean him coming back like I said name value wise is, is all right in my opinion because I, I do like to see him involved with the company at least in the sense of it's Hogan he is the guy that really took this company and the business to the stratosphere where you and I can become fans but it's it's a in a way a bad look for WWE um, you made a comment on the Facebook or the I'm sorry the Instagram post from the, the fight game uh, <laughs> blog Instagram account uh, you said that uh, basically what you said was that the, it, it was an apropos show for them to bring Hogan back because his comments were extreme. Ex- <laughs> yeah, his, his comics are, comments are usually extreme rules. <laughs> that one, that one made me laugh. Um, so I, I think it's interesting uh, to the to the extent of like you know the old adage that uh, kind of time heals all wounds because you know it has been three years and. Um, I, I mean, it, it's hard, right? Race, you know, comments like that, you know, racism, that kind of stuff is really hard to forgive, especially today. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I hope that he is not like that. I hope, you know, I, I hope that he is uh, learned from it. I hope that in his older age, uh, a- as someone who uh, is now in his 60s, you know, that, that he, he can still learn from stuff and, and, and uh, maybe it, it has humbled him uh, a bit as well, because, you know, even though, you know, you and I aren't, aren't really kids anymore, like when, you know, when, when, when you're a wrestling fan uh, back in our time, you, you're, you know, I, I'm a lot older than you, but, you know, Hogan was like, gosh, he was like the guy, right? So 
it sucks seeing your heroes get old sometimes and then you know they're not exactly what you think that they are so hopefully for him he can you know he can stay clean and he can uh you know not have a lot of the bad publicity that he's had uh lately and uh, can just sort of move on and 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 be in wrestling and be in WWE and and uh, and kind of live out you know live out these these years in in a positive way so i'm rooting for him but I also understand people who are frustrated that WWE opened their arms back to him. But, you know, the, the other thing that I would say to those people is if you think that the people who uh, are sort of the heart and soul of that company don't have, haven't done the same things that Hogan was just crucified for, then you should probably rethink your fandom because it wasn't that long ago that we heard that, you know, Michael P.S. Hayes had said stuff uh, and, and guys were frustrated. One of those guys was on today's show, Bobby Lashley. So, you know, if you are going to get on your high horse about it, I get it. I'm told and I'm totally fine with it. And I stand by you as long as you also understand that the wrestling business um, historically, <laughs> bizarre. historically has tons of bad people in it, oh, yeah. including those at the top who, you know, you root and cheer for and, and, uh, and, and pay your money to. So that's sort of off my soapbox, but I, I, that, that was one thing I just wanted to say is because I, you know, I've seen sort of wildly polarizing views. A, it's great that Hogan's back. And then B, this guy should never be back because he's such a bad person. So I, I know those views are out there. I'm fine one way or the other as long as you are you really understand what this wrestling business is about. Yeah, I mean, I think it's quite interesting. Also, I know um, post wrestling John Pollock's uh, website with Wei Ting. They ran a poll about what it what the fans think of Hogan coming back, and it was like only about three or four percent in favor of him coming back wow. so i thought that was pretty interesting it was like 52 to 48 the last i checked of him like what do you th- should he come back to wwe which to me is pretty interesting and it's like his comments were obviously not okay and in today's day and age especially you're going to get raked over the coals more um and just looking at hogan over the past few years on social media more so his Instagram as I'm blocked on his Twitter. <laughs> Why are you blocked? <laughs> um, probably the TNA run or probably oh the whole God. suing Deadspin type thing. And yeah, instantly blocked. Uh, <laughs> instantly, instantly blocked. But not on Instagram. The man is on like – it's like he's running for office. Like everything's so positive. Like, oh, this brother and I, we had so many good times. When I know for a fact you probably didn't with half the people that you – posting pictures of i mean andre sure because there is a lot of history there and he's all over that andre doc on hbo and, and he was i mean he was the best part of the andre doc he, and he was he was crucial for it i think as well um but everything else it's like he's literally was trying to do everything he can to get to wwe he's back there i'm happy in a sense like i said because it's hogan but i also in the back of my mind know every time this guy comes back to wwe ever since the 80s or since 93 something happens yeah and I'm just kind of waiting for that to happen. Yeah, no, I, I hear you. I mean, he's there's there's definitely been stuff that, you know, even when he came back wrestling post WCW, you know, then he wasn't getting paid enough. And so he would leave. And so, yeah, no, I, I hear you. And 
I guess we just wait and see and hope that, you know, uh, hope that he's treated fairly and he treats people fairly and that, you know, we don't we don't have to see them break apart again. And then they take him out of that illustrious Hall of Fame. (laughs) The one with nothing there physically to (laughs) remove him from. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Okay, so let's talk about Extreme Rules. Um, I know you missed the beginning of the show because you did not know, you forgot about the time change. But look, you didn't miss much. Um, The pre-show, Andrade Sinamos beat Sin Cara and Sanity beat New Day. Uh, They showed showed a couple of of video clips from the Sanity uh, New Day match. There was one where... um, uh, I think Kofi, I don't know if you saw it, but Kofi like was on the top rope and he jumped and he, he landed like his feet, his feet on the shoulders of a couple of the sanity guys as they were like falling backwards. And, uh, that was really cool. And then, but then poor Kofi had to take the, the bump on his butt when he fell. And, uh, but sanity beat new day in the tables match. Um, and, uh, almost beats in Cara from what I, I, I didn't, I didn't see the majority of this stuff, but from what I understand, they were fine for what, for what they were. Uh, the show opened with the B team versus Matt Hardy and Bray Wyatt, and uh, the B team won. So, in in a sense, the the belts are even more mid card than than they've ever been or than they've been lately. But at the same time, if you're going to have a mid card tag team, like these guys are kind of funny, they're getting over a little bit, but um, they have to be sort of the stepping stone to the the, the impressive team, right? Like. Maybe Authors of Pain, my buddy John LaRocca suggested tomorrow that uh, Authors of Pain, you know, squashes these guys and has an impressive win to run with the tag straps. Or, you know, you can get you can get a, a four weeks of comedy TV with these guys being champs. And then, you know, then they lose at, maybe at SummerSlam or something and, and they drop the belts there. But uh, if you're going to do a mid-card act as a tag team champions, I was fine with them winning. Uh, and, and we'll see what they do on TV. Yeah, uh, honestly, just seeing the result, I'm fine with it. You kind of knew they're probably going to take the belts off after Bray had that accident and was charged with careless driving. That was the ultimate end. And then I saw on Twitter Matt Hardy tweeted something like, this is the we go our separate ways or something like that. So maybe creative now they're going to break them up and Bray's going to go away for a bit. But yeah, I'm okay with this. I mean, people are enjoying – They've always enjoyed Axel and Dallas, and they're finally kind kind of getting a push. But once again, they're kind of just idiots, <laughs> not really grasped their full potential uh, of being decent stars uh, that I think this company could be, that they could be in this company. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I don't think anyone's going to gripe too much about the Raw tag title situation. Uh, so the finish was... Um so uh, Bo Dallas pushed Matt Hardy in the back. He then bumped Bray Wyatt out to the floor. So I don't know if that's what Matt was talking about. Maybe him and Bray are not seeing eye to eye because of that spot. I'm not sure. Uh, but then Bo Dallas hit the draping neckbreaker on Matt Hardy, which actually looks, looks pretty sweet. It's a pretty sweet finish. Uh, and, and they won the title. So, you know, they uh, they... They definitely, uh, you know, played it up, and then they were on the the post game show on Raw uh, after. So they they were, uh, they, you know, they, they're playing it up. They're playing it up. So the second, or actually, before we got there, I don't know if you saw this. I don't. I can't remember if they replayed it or not. But 
So Kurt Angle comes out. I did see this. He basically issues Brock Lesnar an ultimatum. So (laughs) usually when you do an ultimatum, it's like, if you don't do this, then we're going to do that, right? So it's almost like, if you don't show up on Raw, then we're going to strip you of the title, so you must show up on Raw. So that's sort of how an ultimatum works. But here was Kurt's ultimatum. (laughs) Kurt said, Brock, you either agree to terms to defend your title, or you have to show up on Raw on Monday, or you'll be stripped of your universal title. So I don't, I don't think Kurt, maybe he didn't deliver this correctly, but it was kind of weird the way that uh, the way that his ultimatum worked. But basically, Brock needs to agree to terms and he can show up on, on Raw uh, to, to explain himself. Um, or they can do it behind the scenes and he can sign a title, a title match uh, to defend his universal title. Or he'll be stripped. And so the, the latest news on Brock is that I believe he'll be at SummerSlam. So what that match will be, uh, we'll see. Roman Reigns and Bobby Lashley had a match later that we'll get to that um, probably plays into this somewhat. Um, so the other match that you missed. Was, Can I say, before yeah. we get to that, I like in Dave's recap, he put, this is a work. <laughs> like, <laughs> I love Dave to death, but it's like if you didn't know this was a work... <laughs> You shouldn't be watching wrestling. (laughs) Dave, Dave, Dave's just helping everyone out right now. Um, So Finn Balor and what do they call Baron Corbin? The constable? Yeah, constable. But I have to say for Corbin, thank God he shaved the head because he looks awesome. So um, I think uh, I think he made Jojo say something like Stephanie McMahon's constable or something like that. He made her redo his introduction. Um, so this this was uh, Jonathan Coachman. I don't know if you paid that close attention to the uh, to the announcing, but Jonathan Coachman was at an all time bad tonight. Um, He's been horrendous since coming back. Like he doesn't know the product. He asks stupid questions like when they brought Booker T back for those two weeks on Raw. It was actually a breath of fresh air. And that's saying something. Like, Coach is so bad right now, they need to get rid of him. Like, the commentary team of Cole, Graves, and Coach is so it, – it turns me off watching the product, at least on the raw side. Like, Graves with Phillips and Saxton, they all work so well together. They play off one another very well. But Cole and Coach <laughs> and Graves, it's literally just like three women bickering all, all night. Yeah, yeah. So, so basically, Baron Corbin uh, took most of the match, and he was just doing like, you know, he, he's bigger than Finn Balor, he's stronger than Finn Balor, and Jonathan Coachman said, this, is, this might be the best Baron Corbin we've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> and like, look, it was like just like a few minutes, right? This match wasn't very long. And so, uh, and so then... As Corbin was trying to sell that he hated Finn Balor so much that he was just beating the crap out of him, like Corbin exhibited like a, pr- a pretty good mean streak. Jonathan Coachman says that this was a great performance by Baron Corbin, and he wants to repeat what he said, performance. And so I was like, okay, so that means the mean streak is just an act, 
and he's like looking to get points from this performance somehow. Like he doesn't. Re- this is not really. This is not really real. Like we're 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 really we're we're just really wanting to to look good and and make it look look like we're we're uh, we're, we're really mad. So Jonathan Coachman, uh, good start to this show for Coach. Um, so Cor- Corbin Corbin went for. I mean, he took Corbin took most of the match. He goes for the end of days, and Balor uh, then small package him for the victory. So Finn Balor wins. I, I, I mean, this this feud is probably not over, but uh, we'll, they they have five weeks of television until SummerSlam. That means fifteen hours of Raw. So you can imagine that they're they will be mixing it up once again. Yeah, well, it's also kind of amazing that I know Finn had a big injury about two years ago around this time, but how this guy's stock has gone from, like, Future of Raw to Baron Corbin matches is quite amazing. I know it's Vince in charge, doesn't see the potential in Finn that a lot of people in creative do, but this guy's too good to be wasted for Baron Corbin programs, and they need to fix this. I... I, I don't know what else to say. I mean, it just seems like Finn each and every week is just getting less interesting and less interesting as things go on. But, yeah, I I really wish the company, at least on the Raw side, would change their mentality on Finn. So the uh, I agree with you, by the way. The the Bludgeon Brothers uh, jump Kane and Daniel Bryan in the back in the backstage area. Um, so they get Kane. Uh, down and they basically have a, a door. Instead of slamming the door into his leg, they take the the mallet hammer and use the mallet hammer to slam the door into Kane's ankle. So they it's like they hit it and then the door it makes. I guess it 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 made the door slam it harder. So um, at least they used the mallet. <laughs> I know. And so uh, so the next match was Oscar and Carmella, and I have to ask you. When Asuka came over from NXT, when she was like the the badass of all badasses, how, like, did you expect them to quickly uh, sort of uh, civilize her, I guess, uh, as they have done? Um, well, I thought they did actually a great job. And then I thought, well, she lost the st- at WrestleMania, so her streak thing's done, which takes something away, but in a way, it frees her up. There's less of that whole angle every match of the streak, the streak. But I can't believe how low she's gotten in this company. Like, I thought her on SmackDown, she's going to have these kick-ass matches with the quality talent over there on SmackDown, like another rematch with Charlotte or some great matches with Becky Lynch. But no, she's having a shark cage match with Carmella with the returning James Ellsworth. So... I, I understand the Carmella character. Um, I like her character. I mean, she she's a she's very pretty. She's got tons of charisma. I think I think in some senses she tries she tries a little too hard to to be sort of you know cute and 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 over the top. But look, I give her credit because she's trying to stand out as a character, which is what you need to do. But it just is it's 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 so see through. When you take the badass women, a woman who was undefeated, and you basically, in order to beat her, you make her look like an idiot every single time, and that, that's the problem I have with this. Like, like, like if Carmella, you know, was was cheating, I guess in a smarter way, I, I'd be a little bit more okay with it. But 
like specifically in this match, right? So like you said, James Ellsworth's in the shark cage. He drops a chain out. Carmella tries to pick it up. Oh, but Asuka sees it, so she stops it. And then so James Ellsworth uh, tries to get out of the cage, and he uh, opens, he gets the door open, and he's hanging. I guess there was like a there, there was a rope, or there was like some little thing that he uh, that 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 was in the cage that he was able to wrap around his legs so that he could he could hang like that. Um, and so then Oscar starts beating him up, but as you know, she's she's a she doesn't know that Carmella's going to be behind her at some point. She just turns her back to Carmella the whole time. Obviously, Carmella's going to come going to come from behind and. And uh, at some point, and so she slams Asuka's head into the cage, and of course, Asuka loses. It's just like, I, I, you know, I, I don't agree with the best wrestler not being, you know, the champion or not winning these matches for one. But for second, like, can we like do something else with Asuka? Can she have matches with other people, can, like Becky Lynch, for for like you said, and have someone else do these dumb matches with Carmella so that our top you know, one of our top women doesn't look like a, uh, an idiot every every single time. I don't know. That 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 may be too much to ask, but th- th- it's, I, uh, it's just am- it's just amazing the night and day from NXT or the the May Young Classic type women that they they use. They they build up on the the athleticism, the how great athletes they are, and you know what makes gr- pro wrestling great is just the ability to tell a story and make it really believable but then when you get to the main roster it's so carny and corny and it's we've taken a step 20 years backwards which doesn't help anyone and yeah i mean i agree with you and for the carmella thing as you were saying like yes the character i like the character she's different she's really talented on the microphone and her and ellsworth have got this great chemistry and i'm happy they brought him back but it's how much can you do the this night and day this this flash style booking with Carmelo where some way by hook or by crook she finds a way it it's gonna run tiresome quickly and I think it kind of has since she cashed in and the money in the bank on SmackDown to beat Charlotte for the belt it 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 just seems like it's run its course and she needs to go out there and have like a serious competitive match. To, I think win some respect back in the fans' eyes too. Yeah, yeah. The, I mean, I, I, I can see what you're saying for Carmella because she will get tired. But when when she gets tiring, they can just turn her baby face, right? And 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 then she can kind of start over again. I guess they could do the same for Asuka. You know, Asuka could sort of be tired of of the shenanigans, and then she kind of turns heel. Um, and, and maybe that's the right move, but I just feel like you know she's so she's so much better in the ring than any of the women on their roster that the fact that they're using her to look like an idiot is is just kind of like a miscarriage of justice. So, and I'm more shocked that's on the SmackDown side too because they take like the athleticism, the the realism or like the athleticism as i was saying of professional wrestling very seriously it's obviously the better show from raw and they're doing this to oscar i find that very shocking so uh jeff hardy and shinsuke nakamura which i thought would be a fun match uh i didn't think it was going to be you know the match that steals the show or anything but it was actually not really a match at all um 
It was a trip to Dick Kick City. Oh my God, Vince! Vince must have. You know, there was some time. I, I can't. I don't even remember the time frame, but like everything was about the anus and the rectal cavity and the anal cavity, and everything was about the ass. Like he was just. So, he had such a such a fast fascination with the ass and the hole, and. <laughs> And now his fascination is with the nuts and the, the getting kicked in the dick. And, like, it's, like, overboard. Like, I, I, he gets on this. He, I don't know what it is. Like, did he see a movie where someone got hit in the nuts and he just started laughing? He got tapes of America's Funniest Home Videos from 1993. Oh, my God. It was just God. like, that Bob Saget. He's hilarious. <laughs> Pal, we need to get him. We need more nut kicking. The, the, the 75th time a little kid was... Uh, on a t-ball plastic t-ball uh apparatus and swings hard and hits his dad in the nuts like that 75 times that works on america's funniest home videos but is getting so tired here on WWE. just the image though of vince in the boardroom just like paul look at this look at this nut shot it's hilarious write me a two-hour script of this like and they gotta laugh right they have to pretend that it's as funny as he thinks it is or it's as interesting as he thinks it is i don't know but anyways uh the the match hadn't started yet and uh nakamura basically gives hardy a low blow and I guess the referee didn't see it. So when the referee turns around, Jeff is just like holding himself and just keeled over and on the floor. And Nakamura's just like ready to start the match. And so you would think that the referee would go, okay, take your time. Get, get, just, I don't care if you want to start the match now. Just, you just need to get your faculties together. I cannot start the match while you're keeled over in pain and barely able to stand up. But nope, Jeff, ever the courageous babyface who just took uh, a low blow and his, uh, his, his groin is in the middle of his stomach right now, he says, nope, start the match, start the match, starts the match, Kinshasa, boom, one, two, three, uh, Shinsuke is the champion. And so, I'm, like in the back of my head, I'm thinking like, God, I, you know, Je- Jeff has been making a lot of uh, a lot of public statements about his health and how he's not feeling that well and i thought okay maybe it's a way to get him off of tv you know for a couple of weeks or just to get healthy or whatever it is uh, but then they booked him in a rematch on smackdown on thursday so unless that unless that's just another thing where where they do something really quickly and then they lay him out again i maybe it is but i just thought that was weird so so then so then, Randy Orton's music plays, and as he slowly walks down the ring in his, uh, in his tights and his uh, sleeveless vest that doesn't have a zipper, like, it's just, like he was wearing, like, the, the sleeveless, like, vest hoodie thing, right? Like, but now it's just, like, a vest, I think, like... And his hair. <laughs> his hair. Um, and so he comes in, and he's staring at Nakamura... And in the back, over his shoulder, you see Jeff, like, struggling to get up. So we're all thinking, the folks that watched the, the show with me, we're all thinking, okay, he's probably going to, like, RKO him or something, like, just to show that he's back and that he's, he's ready to, to go after Nakamura. He does not hit the RKO. Instead, he trips Jeff Hardy. Jeff Hardy's on his back. And then he stomps him right in the balls. <laughs> like, <laughs> like... 
it's just I, I I mean, you know, unless you know Orton comes out on SmackDown and he's like, he's like Nakamura, I like Jeff Hardy, and you see what I did to his balls. I don't like you. Think about what I'm gonna do to your balls. Like I mean, like what is like what is this like this is like a, this is gonna be a game who can who can kick Jeff Hardy in the balls harder? Like yeah. <laughs> come who on. Who can tag each other in the nuts like a game of high school? Adolescence. I really wish Randy Orton came out and said, comes out and says, Jeff Hardy, that's not my purse. I don't know you. And he just huffs Jeff Hardy in the balls like Bobby Hill did on King of the Hill. Oh, God. On the season six premiere, which is like one of the more famous episodes. But yeah. So, so do you, you know, um, you know, do you, you know, this is a thing in baseball. The hitting in the nuts? Yes. Uh, I, I don't know if the if I feel they, it's a sports thing. If they call it something different, uh, or if or if your your Blue Jays do this, but um, the Giants when they they don't win, so <laughs> when when the, when the Giants win a game, uh, and they you know you kind of do the line where you shake each other's hands at the end of the game, uh, you your your own teammates' hands. A lot of the players when they get around uh, a player by the name of Brandon Belt. They're like covering like themselves because he likes to backhand people in the nuts in this line, and they call it turkey tapping. Turkey tapping, tap yeah. the turkey, tap the turkey. Well, gobble gobble, Jeff Hardy. It's going to be a long feud for you if this, oh, uh, they continue to book it. I, I'm very thankful that um, no one that this podcast is not popular enough to get to uh, WWE because. We just gave them their next four weeks of television with turkey tapping. <laughs> just dick kicks. <laughs> dick smacks. Oh, God. Okay. So, Jeff, we're going to hit you in the nuts again. <laughs> Are you okay with this? Jeff's like, no. <laughs> My nuts have had enough. Oh, poor guy. All right. So this, the next match was uh, Braun Strowman and Kevin Owens. The the whole buildup to this match was basically Braun, Braun Strowman being such a bully. Kevin Owens <laughs> is trying to walk away. He doesn't want to fight, and Braun Strowman is just trapping him in ways to just, like, beat the shit out of him. Like, he's such an asshole, and he's the babyface. Um, <laughs> it's that Be A Star program. <laughs> oh, my God. So... Um, and not all, like it's so weird too because like he's like the gigantic guy and like Kevin Owens is kind of like the, the the short tubby guy, and he, he's just bullying the crap out of him. It's so true. He's just getting he's getting his car tipped over. He's getting knocked off in a porter potty. He's nearly being murdered in this match. And he's the baby face. I, like, I was hoping, like, I like when I'm watching this match, I mean, I knew Kevin Owens wasn't going to win in any impressive fashion. But every time he created offense, I was like, get him, get his ass, like, kick his ass. But knowing it wasn't going to happen. <laughs> and also, way to pussify the Kevin Owens character from when he came in, I'll fight anybody, to I'm running away from Braun Strowman. Yeah, yeah. Like, like totally missing the mark on Kevin Owens' character right now, who should be absolutely fearless and go out there and do whatever it takes. Uh, instead, he is getting knocked out of porta potties. I mean, there is something to him being a heel and saying that sure. he'll fight everyone and then he'll take a powder. Like, I think that's good. That's actually pretty entertaining. But yeah, like, I mean, and Braun called him out on it, right? Like, Kevin Owens was like trying to hit and run and and trying to jump out of the cage, and Braun was like. 
I thought you were fight Owen's fight or whatever he said. Now come fight me. Um, they did like it's like they also make Braun Strowman like have like the um, the uh, English capability of like a caveman. <laughs> like all of his sentences are like short and choppy. Like fight me. Like it's just like I don't know. There, there's not there's not a lot to to that character. I guess when you're like six seven and Jack to the gills, I guess. Um, so, so Owens, uh, at some point Owens was like, okay, shit's on. I'm going to fight you. And then he would like come in with a couple strikes and then, and then Strowman would sell for a half a second and then Strowman would throw one punch and Owens would go flying back again. Um, so, uh, in the, the end of this match, uh, Owens gets a pair of handcuffs and he cuffs Strowman to the top rope. Rather than just walk out at that point, that's when <laughs> Owens wants to flex. Like, that's when he's like, look, you asshole, now I'm going to get you. And he starts to fire up on him, throwing punches, and then he gets just the one-handed choke slam, and, like, he's, he, he he's gets pushed away again. So he goes into the corner, and, like, I'm just like, dude, just leave, just get out. He finally figures it out. He throws the DX uh, the the DX uh, crotch chop for whatever reason I don't know what I don't know if that was like an ode to like oh he had my- a stunner too <laughs> it, he was full ninety eight mope see I thought it was like well here's the crotch chop because I'm about to like fly off the side of the cage like Shawn Michaels but he actually took it a step further and no. so so he's going up Strowman breaks out of the of the uh, of, of the cuffs and he catches him like he like. He jumps from like the top rope to the top of the cage. Like that was actually pretty amazing. And so he and he and Owens are at the top. He's holding on to that post and oh and then he's got Owens by the neck. And at this point, I'm having flashbacks to Mick Foley off the top of the cell. And I was thinking, like, mm, no, they wouldn't let them do, they wouldn't let him do that. Like they've learned from that moment. Like they wouldn't do something scary like that. And he literally just chucks him off the top of the cage, and Kevin takes a bump on this table, goes right through it. Land, I mean, I, he probably landed about as perfectly as you could. And, uh, and and I was just amazed. I was like, I can't believe we're still doing this crap. Hey, anything to get a ESPN mo- moment or something. I don't know. I, I was shocked that they did this. On the seventh match of a 12-match show? On a pay-per-view that... No one cares about. Not, like, it's not WrestleMania. It's not Mania. It's not Survivor Series. It's not the Rumble or SummerSlam. The business isn't that hot in terms of B shows, and you're doing this. Yeah. Why? Yeah, I was, like I, I, was, I, I love Kevin Owens, and I respect him for taking such a bump for our entertainment. But this was so unnecessary. Like, if anything, they could have just had Braun like fake us out and then throw him from the top back into the ring. And then Braun escapes, but we didn't need him to nearly kill the man. So someone had like, said that someone said that they saw like underneath the table, like there was some padding, like maybe a crash pad, but still, like just the, I don't care. Like, that could have been messed up so much, right? Like just the the fact that you have you know you 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 have to hit that kind of thing on the mark for it to even be okay. But I don't know. I, and this might have just been good selling. But he was like holding his head as if like you know sometimes. Sometimes you hit your head and it's like really smarts for like, you know, 10 seconds, like really badly. Like he held his head like something like that happened. But, you know, he's also just a great, a great wrestler. So <laughs> yeah. he could have been working. 
Um, but yeah, that scared me to to death, and I was just like, I can't believe it. But hey, we so, also we also saw Shane McMahon like ju- do, get off the top of the cell uh, last year. We saw Shane McMahon like get yeah. ch- chokes or he got tossed from the from the, the rope in that that uh, greatest battle royal ever and threw a table off the top rope. So whatever, like like. They're they're risking stuff now for some reason. I don't know. So was this just this supposed to be the twenty year tribute of the Foley bump off the cell because it was I, in the same building? I didn't even think about that. Was this li- like was that the plan? Except like most people in that building probably have only seen the clip and wouldn't put the two and two together, or no one was watching or old enough to be watching the Attitude Era. At no, that point. no, you're absolutely right. Like, like that is that 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 has to be the idea, right? Because um, I think Mick actually filmed something. Uh, maybe mm. maybe it's one of Mick's uh, stand-up shows that they're going to show. I believe after Sur- after SummerSlam, which well, is Mick, like Mick is going on tour talking about that. Yeah, ma- ma- that so ma- so maybe that's what they're going to show, uh, which is him talking his his stand-up about it or whatever. Because in September he's coming to Ontario, and I'm going to one of those shows. But still, I. Was this just the logic behind it? Like, I, if not, like, that's stupid. It's got to be, right? It's got to be. It, yeah, but, like, I, it has to be. But so we nearly may have killed Kevin Owens for a network special. I guess. Like, the mentality behind that is so insane. Like, we didn't need to have this happen or anything of the sort. Like, I mean, if well, the one thing, I guess it woke people up because it was kind of a sleeper of a show. But I don't know if that's good. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it was at, to this point it was the uh, the thing that got the biggest rise out of fans. But you know, it, it's that that you're gonna have to do that to sometimes on, on shows like this, I guess, to to get people excited. But uh, I, I would I, I I would just say, hey, how about have some good booking and some good wrestling <laughs> matches, and you'll get a good reaction. But what do I know? Um, so Team Hell we're No, yeah, we're just fans. Team Hell No versus Bludgeon Brothers. So. Kane did not come out uh, at the beginning with Daniel Bryan, so Daniel Bryan's working one against two, the little guy against these two gigantic uh, bludgeon brothers, um, and uh, and so at uh, Kane's music plays, he's wearing a walking boot. He limps down to the to the to the ring. He gets gingerly jumps on the apron, and Daniel Bryan hits him with the hot tag. Um, this was not Ricky. This was not the uh, Ricky Morton, uh, Robert Gibson hot tag. Uh, this was a slow motion hot tag because Kane had to sell that he was in a walking boot. Um, he does two choke slams to both guys, and the timing was a little off. So I can't remember which one it was, whether it was uh, Harper or Rowan. But he he grabs the neck. And before he's about to, like, do sort of, like, the raising of the arm, one of them just jumps into the air uh, and, and kind of chokeslams himself. So I thought that was pretty funny. Uh, and so then um, Kane, uh, Kane tries the tombstone, but he can't get it because he's on a really messed up ankle. Uh, he gets pushed back in the corner. Daniel Bryan tags back in. The crowd is actually into the match, as like all hell right now. Uh, as Daniel's getting his uh, his yes kicks in, but then he gets double teamed, and the Bludgeon Brothers, if uh, Hogan was was doing the announcing, hits the Doomsday Device, and uh, Daniel Bryan gets pinned. So that is 
let's see. Since WrestleMania, what's Daniel Bryan's pay-per-view record? Is he two and two? Uh, well, he beat. Did he beat Cass or was he disqualified? He beat. He beat Cass he twice. Beat Cass. Okay. Twice. So, so he's three. So this is his first loss then on pay-per-view. Is it? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I believe so. But I, I honestly, I did enjoy this match. I did enjoy the handicap big man versus Daniel Bryan. The dynamic with Daniel Bryan and big men always works out. Uh, I think it was really good for Rowan and Harper to show what they can do with a real good technician in Daniel Bryan. Um, and, you know, they got the win, which was kind of surprising. I still I thought because Team Tell No has always been pretty over with the, the chemistry that Kane and Daniel Bryan do have. So I thought it was pretty interesting that Harper and Rowan to get the win. It's a much needed win for them. Um, I mean, I don't know how many people are really behind them, but they are two talented guys, and I'm happy to see something being done with them. But for me, this was one of the better highlights of the show. I mean, I think it worked. The dynamic that you just explained definitely worked for the crowd. They were into the end of it, at least. Um, It's amazing how much they're into Team Hell No. Like, uh, I... I'm still shocked at how it's over this many years later. I, I mean, I think it's it's really smart, right? Like, Oh, yes, absolutely. You put together something that was so stupid in the beginning but still got over. And then, you know. Which shows the value in both Brian and Kane that they took something so dumb and made it so popular. But then, like, the part where. Kane actually like tried to kill Daniel Bryan and kidnap Bree and all that stuff, and then they get and, and then they get put back together. And Bryan is even like, um, "You you like tried to kill me one time," and Kane's just like, "Ah, you know, <laughs> sorry." <laughs> like that's the, like that's that's got, that's good comedy to me. You know, it's, he's it's got, funny. He's got bigger fish to fry in Knoxville. Sure, and he was like the, the 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 person he's running against was like calling him out for still wrestling, which I guess you should, probably should, because uh, but but uh, but yeah, he was like, eh, I I've been doing it for a while. I, it, it it doesn't take me away from the job that much. Like okay, <laughs> um, okay. So Roman Reigns and Bobby Lashley, this match was uh, I would say. Maybe not to the extent of the um, sort of the violent nature of that pull apart, but it was it was still good. And I thought that, um, you know, I, I thought I thought the fans were going to try their best to ruin it, which they did. Uh, I thought uh, oh, I'm so sick of the fans like like honestly, Roman Reigns isn't that bad. Like he is put in a position that I think the fans forget that they wanted to see him be a star. Like in the Rumble in 2014 when Batista won, people really wanted him to win. And then the, the company gives the fans what they want and in classic wrestling fan mode, instant rebellion. Like the fans need to stop trying to take over matches and stuff. Like I was more upset with because Bobby and Roman were – they're busting their ass in this match, and their fans are trying to do their own, like, Rusev Day chants and stuff. I'm like, it doesn't matter here. Like, they were very limited, but yeah. it just gets to my blood boiling. Like, guys, like, show some respect to the guys entertaining you right now, putting their bodies on the line. Like, it just irks me so much. 
and the the heat Roman gets, I think, is a lot of it's unfair. And and you know, it's not like he was in a title match, right? Like he he wasn't in the in the main event slot. So the, no, they moved his match up because they didn't want the booing and walking out. So so there wasn't really a, a big reason to to do that stuff in this match because there there were you know it was just a match. It was just like a, a normal Roman wrestling match, but. Um, so, uh, there was a spot in this match where Roman, uh, has, uh, has Lashley in like a fireman's carry position and Lashley is like holding onto the top rope so that he doesn't get tossed. And then Roman is able to toss him anyways. And I think Lashley was supposed to like hang on to the rope to kind of, so he could, so he could actually, uh, break his fall or so he could fall the way that he wanted to fall. And it slips out of his hand, and he takes the craziest bump on his shoulder. And I was just thinking, like, oh, this guy's, you know, this guy separated his shoulder. Like, this is ridiculous. The guy is like a machine. He just gets right back up <laughs> and, and keeps going in the match. Like, I for sure thought his shoulder was done and that we were going to have to go to a finish or he was going to get counted out for real. But no, he, the guy's like Superman. Um, and uh, so what do you think about his finisher being simply a six and a half second vertical suplex? Worked for the British Bulldog. Wasn't his finish, but did work. But, I mean, he's a power guy. It does showcase his power. They can't do the spear anymore can't, because I, that was I wish he Goldberg's would, thing. Yeah, I wish he would actually turn into a jackhammer. Like, that's what I would do. Well, he used to do the Dominator, too, like early Lashley, like 06, late 05. But I guess they're not doing that because that was Farouk's move or yeah. Ron, slash Ron Simmons. So yeah. vertical suplex delayed. That's your finish. And it, it's not even he doesn't even really delay it that much anymore because you remember He's when tired. he well, well, right. He did it in that match with Cass. Do you remember that match with Cass? Yeah, where he nearly killed him. Like he dropped Cass right on his head. That was in the Greatest Royal Rumble. That's what it was. Yeah, you're right. So, I I, I mean, I guess, you know, they're they're like, okay, you don't have to hold it for that long, especially when you're tired. So now he doesn't really hold it for for long at all. Um, So uh, he, but he did do it to to Reigns. Reigns kicked out. He went for a spear and Reigns hit him with a pretty sweet counter Superman punch. Uh, and then Lashley uh, even went to the top, and Reigns hit him with another Superman punch. That the way that they shot it, it kind of came out of nowhere. Um, and so finally, Roman's like talking shit to him. He's like hyping himself up. He he does his scream to the crowd, and he hits the ropes. He comes. He's gonna blast Bobby Lashley uh, with a spear, but instead Lashley hits the spear first, and he pins Reigns. I was actually surprised that that was the finish. Um, but it was good. I, I thought the match was good, um, and uh, the it seemed like uh, the result was uh, was what people like. The people like the result. The one thing he needs to lose the stupid headband. He did. He lost it in the match. I know, but he needs to not wrestle with it. At first, I he's, thought it was kind of cool because it's like, oh yeah, he's an athlete. You know, some athletes wear headbands, but when he's in a fight. And it's like minute 10 of him getting blasted with stuff and he's still wearing this stupid thing. It looks pretty dumb. Well, one, he does because any other heel should just put it over his eyes. Right. Um, Or choke him with it. Or choke him. But, I mean, maybe he's thinking he's modern-day Iceman King Parsons. (laughs) 
with, with the headband. I, I, I don't know, but that was something he had in TNA or Impact towards the end, and I thought it was a new. It was the only way he could have a new look, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's not growing hair. He's definitely not wearing tr- long trunks. That's it, headband. But this match, I thought, was the best match on the show. I'm happy they went with the right decision of putting Lashley over because if the plan is to do Lashley-Lesnar at SummerSlam, that's a match that wrestling fans have wanted since 2007. We thought we were actually going to get it in the world of MMA, and then WWE lucks out that all is going to come back full circle to a dream, a rare dream match that we actually do get with Lashley-Lesnar with uh, so much similarities between the two, and I think those two hosses would just tear it up. I agree with you, but I still believe that Reigns is going to find his way into that match. Like, I just don't think they're going to leave Reigns out of the mix after all of what they've tried to do with him. Well, if they're smart, they leave him out for a little bit. <laughs> okay, just let them have that match. <laughs> like, Roman Reigns can wrestle freaking Drew McIntyre on SummerSlam. Oh, that would be really good. I would be okay with that. That would be great. Yeah, let's uh, just do that. Give us this dream match, and then, I mean, I'm expecting Lashley to win and then Strowman to cash in money in the bank. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that that's that that might be the way to do it. And then then you don't have Roman winning and then getting immediately getting killed. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. They have some options, but I just have a weird feeling that Roman's going to be uh, the one to pin Brock. But, um, okay, so three matches left. Like I said, this was a long card. Um too long. Nia Jax and Alexa Bliss. This match sucked. Um, Ronda, really did. Ronda and Tra- Travis Brown are, are ringside. The entire thing is just like nothing's going to happen until Ronda jumps the barricade. And so uh, Natalia came out with Jax as her second since, you know, Mickey James always comes out with Bliss. Uh, and uh, the the time for Ronda to join the the fray is when Natalia is starting to get double teamed by Alexa and Mickey. They're putting the boots to her, and Ronda finally was like, "That's it, I can't, I've had enough, but I can't I can't stand no more." And she jumps it, and she like beelines to them. Like it's really impressive because normal like pro wrestling aggression is kind of like they know that they have to do this, you know, on the road and on TV shows and on Raw and on SmackDown, and they're working, like, so many days. And Ronda doesn't, like, have that same sort of, uh, I I guess, idea of, okay, I don't have to go 100% every time because she goes 100% every time. There's a So she grabs Mickie James, and instead of uh, throwing her the way that Mickey thinks she's going to throw her. She reverses field and throws Mickey against the barricade, which Mickey's entire weight is going the opposite way. And Rhonda was like, nope, I'm snatching you back this way and you're hitting this barricade. I'm surprised that Mickey's entire shirt did not get ripped in half and her just be exposed to the pay-per-view audience. Um, Thank God for reinforcements. That's all I got to say. Oh my God. And so then, um, and so then there's a, there's a part where uh, Rhonda, like, sees Alexa, and, like, she sees her underneath, like, through the ring, right? Like, she just looks under the bottom rope. She sees Alexa on the other side, and, like, she's like, oh, now I got to get Alexa. And so 
she kind of dives into the ring and tries to cut it cut you know cut the space that she needs to run around in half and Alexa's running and Rhonda looks like Carl Lewis in the 1984 <laughs> Olympics she runs so fast to catch up to Alexa it's like where did this woman's speed come from that I've never seen before like the fastest person like in the company and catches up to Alexa and starts to, to beat up Alexa, but then Mickey hits Rhonda with uh, the kendo stick, I guess is what it was. Um, and so Rhonda's out. Yeah. Finish was so lame. Yeah. So, so Rhonda's out of it. They go back in the ring, and they're double-teaming Nia, and they hit her with a chair, and then she gets DDT'd on her head, and the match is over. The match sucked. The Rhonda thing I thought was cool, though, in the end, it didn't really mean a whole lot. Like, it didn't really lead into anything, except the fact that now Rhonda wants to beat the living shit out of Alexa Bliss again, like she did on Raw that time, where she, like, killed killed everybody, including Kurt. Um, and so, Which got over. It was great. I was like, yeah. man, this is, like, stone cold Steve Austin. Uh, but, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, the, the, ma- the match is terrible. The finish sucked. Uh, but at least Ronda was cool, I guess, right? Ronda was cool, except I hated the finish where the kendo stick hit Ronda. She was down. Then Nia got hit with those chairs. DDT on chair, pinfall. But then right after the three count, Ronda's in the ring. Yeah. Like, that's bad selling right there. Like, you've just killed the whole dynamic of what this kendo stick has done to you. Um, Alexa and Mickey are awesome together. Please don't break them up for a long time. Um, nice to see Mickey actually get some serious offense in, <laughs> even though she's not in the match. But, yeah, match was not great. It was totally a match to fill time until Ronda's suspension is up. And, by the way, so they're hyping up that she bought a ticket. She hops the rail. Where is security? Like... <laughs> I know it's, it's not supposed to be, but where is security? Like, at least attempt one attempt. Be like, Rhonda, you can't. You're suspended and you're a fan tonight. You're not a part of the roster. Yeah. Didn't well, didn't like that. Yeah. there was There's holes in that storyline for sure. But in order for Rhonda to uh, to be Rhonda, I guess they, they had to oversee, the, overlook that part of it. And how long until Travis Hoppe Brown gets a contract? I don't know. Does he have charisma? Absolutely not. But he is <laughs> six foot eight. So he has at least and he's a decent athlete. They so. you know what they should do? They should just um uh they should just make him become big Cass, and they should just start calling him Big Cass and he could just replace he could just replace him, just like the, um, just like uh, when Vi- when Jim Ross replaced uh, Diesel and Razor with those with those other guys. He just comes or in as big cast. Or he could be added to the Jeff Hardy Nakamura Orton feud because he is known for kicking people in the pills. <laughs> just ask Czech Congo. <laughs> he does like to do that when uh, things aren't going his way. Actually, you're probably right. I mean, at some point, he he and Ronda are going to be in a mixed tag. Against some, like I think that's natural. Also, did you see uh, uh, Rhonda's friends Jessamine and Marina? Marina posted something on Instagram today with her and uh, Jessamine wearing tap out gear. So I think that was sort of a, a, alluding to the fact that they are probably uh, soon to do something in NXT or WWE. Yeah, well, I've already seen. I saw on .com they had uh, 
like everyone in the performance center, there's Jasmine Duke. So hopefully her pro wrestling career works out better than that MMA stint. Hey, she was tough. She just, she didn't have a lot of skill, but that girl was tough. Um, so it was Shayna Baszler, but Shayna Baszler at least has that killer charisma. I don't know much about Jasmine Duke. Well, we'll see. But Shayna was, I mean, Shayna, Shayna was like the first good woman in MMA. Um, and, Not our and, girl. Hey, and, you're, you're disrespecting our girl Gina and Tanya Baszler. No, but th- I mean, Shayna was before them. Well, yes, but no one was watching women's MMA at that point. Sure, was not but, until Elite XC, baby. But that, I mean, but that's why Shayna's kind of a pioneer, is because you know she for sure, absolutely. But um, when she made it to the big stage, she just couldn't. Cut yeah, it. she but was. She was. Like, she was probably a, a little bit past her prime by that time. Um, absolutely. So, uh, so Rusev and AJ Styles. Whether you thought the Roman and Lashley match was the best or this one was the best, they're both good. Um, Rusev, it was fun seeing Rusev in a, in a title match. Like, I mean, they're they they're about six to eight months late on on his character and on going with him. Um, but you know, he's he's the goods, man. Like, he, like there's there are very few guys on that roster who deserve the opportunity to be at the top than Rusev. He's he's I, fe- I felt like he's been, you know, he's sort of been on the cusp almost since the day he joined uh, the the main roster. Um, the match was all about AJ kind of, you know, breaking the big man down a little bit with leg kicks. Uh, you know, I thought, and, and the guys that, that were with me thought, oh, maybe he's like sort of setting up the calf crusher like that. He's, he's like softening him up for the calf crusher. But it, the, what, what it turned out to be was, um, Rusev couldn't put the accolade on AJ because his legs were, were, uh, were hurt. And so, um, AJ hits the 450 for a near fall. That was actually a far one. Like he he didn't quite get the distance, so he had to kind of like catch it by by uh, uh, almost landing on his foot um, before he hit Rusev. Uh, that was a near fall, and then he hit the phenomenal forearm for the win. Uh, I, I thought this match was actually going to be a little bit longer than it was uh, because they had so much time left on that four hour. Because I, I assumed that they were going to go like four and a half hours on the show. But nope, it was just a nice little, I don't know, was it like 15 or 16 minute match or whatever. But, you know, AJ, AJ's great. Uh, it was fun to see Rusev in that in that spot. Uh, I, I do wonder, though, if, you know, AJ, you know, the G1 has started, uh, like I talked about in the intro to, to this podcast. Uh, and, uh, and AJ's probably going like, you know, I'm glad I don't have to wrestle like, you know, 20 times in 20, you know, in 28 days or whatever it is. But, uh, yeah, I, I want to show these guys that, that, you know, I'm still the goods as well. I just like the dynamic of AJ versus Rusev. Like it, when they were starting the match and, you know, AJ was delivering those leg kicks, it brought back memories of, uh, AJ and TNA against Samoa Joe, like, you know, five, just that perfect big power man versus AJ who can hit these insane aerial moves and is a pretty good technical wrestler as well. Um, but yeah, AJ's so good. And, you know, to your point, I'm happy for Rusev. Um, this was a guy that actually did give his notice back at Mania, and then the company had to do a lot to get him to come back. And he's finally been given a run here. Uh, the, after the match, though, with uh, the, the leading to the finish where Aiden English took the one turnbuckle pad off and then Rusev hit his head in the corner, it seems like we could be seeing the end of English and Rusev, which 
would be a little bit of a shame because they get the crowd going and and, and addition with English, aided English has done a lot for the Rusev character with this Rusev Day stuff. Uh, but you know what? I don't think we'll see a rematch, but I'd be down for one. But yeah, I mean, AJ's right now just on another level. Like for this company, WWE, it's really a pick. Who's your who's your guy? Is it Seth or AJ? I'm just waiting for them to give us that match. Yeah, no, that that would be great. Uh, I, I I think you know I hope they actually run. And we'll talk about Seth right now, but I hope they they actually. Uh, run with Seth, you know, as far as uh, being uh, a main guy. Like, I would love to see him get another shot at the Universal title. Like, I know you want to see Lashley and Lesnar, but I, w- I, like, I would love to see Seth to be the guy to beat Brock because I think he's been so good in the, you know, the little man, big man dynamic that you kind of explained earlier that, that can work. Um, he, he's, he's, I think he's, like, the hottest guy on, on, on the Raw side. And I would love to see them utilize it, but you know, again, they they sometimes they're a little late on this um, this this stuff. Sometimes they're a little early. Sometimes they're right on the money with it. But he would he would be my pick. Um, I wouldn't. I don't know if you would say that after this match with Dolph Ziggler, uh, but I don't think I would blame Seth too much here because uh, I think I think there's two stories to this match. So Seth Rollins and Dolph Ziggler main event, uh, thirty minute Iron Man match. Um, so, or, or as Earl Hebner called it, Iron Man. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, there, there was two sort of stories here. So, um, they had the entire clock on the big screen oh my God. Yeah, and, uh, as they got down to, uh, the, the, you know, as they were at, started at 30, as it got down to 29, so it's 29 minutes and seven seconds they would start counting down like you would do at the royal rumble or like they do at the royal rumble every year and when they would get to zero they would do the the buzzer they the entire crowd would do the buzzer with their voice and so they just did this throughout the entire match to the point that somebody uh in in wwe in the back took the uh took the time off of the screen and then the crowd got bothered. And one of the biggest pops in the match, I think it was around the 10-minute mark, when they put, the, uh, when they put the, the timer back on the big screen on the, on the Titantron, the crowd popped so hard because the clock was back. Even though they were still doing the gimmick, they were still, you know, somebody had a, had a, had a clock there that, that they had figured out what the time was. And they were still doing it even though the clock wasn't there. But so this is fans, you know, sort of taking over show like what we talked about earlier. Um, and, and the second story to this match is the very weird psychology because you would think that in an Iron Man match that the baby face is the one who comes from behind, right? You, you're mm-hmm. rooting for that baby face to, to get that fall, to tie it, or to get that fall and win it. The drama works so much better in that way. Yet, in this match, they had Seth go up 3-0, to zero, and so Dolph was the one that had to play from behind. And so they actually tied it uh, very, qu- very quickly. So they, they did have like half of the match where... Um, where Seth did have to come from behind, but just that initial like start, I was just like wondering, like, okay, what's going on here? So, uh, Seth wins the first fall in under five minutes. He hits Ziggler with a buckle bomb, 
and then he follows up with that everybody's, you know, er- everyone loses to this move, the La Ma- Mahistra Cradle. Um, <laughs> was this CMLL on a Friday night? <laughs> and, and like, within less than five minutes into the match, like, Seth's got 1-0 on Dolph. I'm just like, okay, like, why is it, it why in some Iron Man matches is it impossible to, uh, to get a fall? And why in other Iron Man matches is it seemingly so easy to get pins on guys? So, um, just three minutes later, uh, Seth hits a curb stomp and, uh, and, 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 and pins him. Or no, no, no. So I got that wrong. Um, yeah. So he pins him again. No, I got that right. He pins him again with a curb stomp to go up three or to go up two to zero. And so, um, then Drew McIntyre jumps Seth. And is disqualified. So now he's up three to zero, and the match is barely like I don't know eight or nine minutes long. And so I think most people had figured out. Okay, so Drew gets disqualified, and thus he's but, going to beat Seth up to hopefully soften him up for Dolph. What I didn't get is they called the disqualification, which okay you should. Yeah. But then Drew kept beating him up. So shouldn't that have been four nothing? Like ring the bell again. It's another disqualification. Yeah, I don't know uh, exactly what the WWE rule book says about disqualifications. If you can, uh, it would have the to rule be... book is farce, farce, <laughs> because they were trying to hype it up like, oh, if it's a tie, the tie goes to the champion. I'm like, did the first Iron Man match you ever had in this company went to goddamn overtime. <laughs> Just look at that. That was the precedent. Well, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know um, what section of the rule book that they actually have uh, uh, disqualifications within an Iron Man match. Maybe it's tucked deep, deep, deep in the rule book. But um, nobody was out there to call to call the referee out. So the referee's decision also, stands. Because no one cared. So. Um, so like like you would imagine, uh, Drew continues to beat up Seth, and he gives him the the sweet Claymore kick, um, and like you said, did not get disqualified again. And Ziggler just walks over and lays on top of Rollins, gets a pin, and it's now three to one. Ziggler hits Rollins with a super kick to take a second fall. It's now three to two, and then he hits a zigzag. And poor Seth has been pinned three times in a matter of, I don't know, was it a minute or two or whatever. And now it's tied. So basically, we're back at zero to zero. After all of this, after six pins, six falls, it's back to zero, zero. You know what I liked is, so the three pinfalls happen for Dolph. It's three, three. And they're basically talking about their maybe their top worker like he's the atlanta falcons that has just blown this lead. <laughs> what a loser i can't believe he did this see i was <laughs> i was thinking yankees red Sox, but you want the red Sox to be the baby face not the yankees <laughs> right they're like oh man seth rollins he's like the atlanta falcons out here just blowing the lead i'm like well that was also against the greatest quarterback of all time, not Dolph Ziggler. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> Rollins is about to do his dive to the outside, and Ziggler, Ziggler hits him with a palm strike to the forehead and then uh, gets inside the ring and pins him with his feet on the rope. So now it is 4-3. Uh, so... Uh, 
so Rollins finally ties it. I don't even know what move this was. Was it like a slingshot, uh, something or other? Um, I can't even remember what what the move was uh, to get to tie it at four. Um, and so basically, they are working the rest of the match uh, tied at four. Uh, and like you just sort of foreshadowed, like the great Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels match. Um, they tie, uh, they, they go in tied, and Dolph was like, hey, I did, I did what I needed to do. It is a draw, and I can go back. I defended my title, and, uh, and I didn't lose. And then Kurt comes out and says that because the WWE Universe wanted to see a definitive finish, um, <laughs> even though, like, you know, we we see <laughs> we, we just hyped up that they were counting the time down. They were fine with this, I think, being a tie. They were like, we're about to beat the traffic and get out of here to a decent and, hour. And as if they weren't in a pay-per-view called Extreme Rules where there was, like, shenanigans in half of the matches, Kurt was like, you know what? We have to have a definitive winner because winning fairly is what matters in this company. And, uh, and so... He, uh, he says they, they go to sudden death. So now, uh, you, you know, we talked about stupid baby faces earlier with Asuka. So now it is Seth's turn to be the dumb baby face. Uh, Drew McIntyre shows up after he's already been kicked out of the match for interfering and giving him the Claymore kick. And he shows up. Seth, instead of just throwing a normal right hand, you know, you can throw a right hand and, and knock Drew off of the apron. Seth throws a running knee. He gets after he hits the knee, his uh, knee is draped over the second rope, so he gets caught. And Dolph comes up from behind, zigzag pin, match over. Dolph Ziggler is your Intercontinental Champion still, and he wins the most awkwardly booked Iron Man match that I've ever seen in my life. I think this match did a lot of the negative for Seth, like Dolphin Seth did work very hard. They really tried. The fans could have cared less that it was a 30 minute match with them counting things down. But not only does the commentary make Seth look bad with basically comparing him to the Atlanta Falcons, but he hits that curb stomp when it's tied again and he just can't get the pinfall. Like he's hit this move so many times out of nowhere he should be able to get on top. Like he had six seconds left, so he didn't have time for a three count. He looked bad there, and then, as you said, he looked like an absolute idiot on the restart. <laughs> like this has done nothing for Seth Rollins at all. Yeah, and I, I, didn't I don't think this it. was a good night for Seth either, because he just tweeted one hour ago, ten nine eight seven six five four three two one. I think he was really mad. He was really I, mad that has, his match he, got hijacked. He should be, though, because it goes back to what I'm saying. These fans, fans today have not as much, no respect, really, and they're trying to make it about themselves. But this was, this was them put in an awkward position because everyone was like, they had a 30-minute match or so on Raw, and that was great. I think also people were more shocked at the length of a TV match with Seth because he had that insane long match that was like almost an hour of Raw. That gauntlet. Yeah, a couple months ago. 
but when you announce it as an Iron Man match and the pay-per-view is already four hours, like they've put Dolph and Seth in a corner and it's really tough to get them out. And the fans just got a little restless. I am upset that they tried to hijack a match with such good talent in it. But they just wanted to go home. And I think that, once again, goes to the detriment of these pay-per-views being too long. Like, go back to just standard three hours. No one has time to watch six hours of wrestling anymore. Even if it's the summer or what have you. It doesn't help your product. It hurts your product. And as you can see right here, the fan it's more hurting the fans at the arenas than anything. Like, if you and I are not enjoying it, we could just turn it off. Right. But at the arenas, they're ruining their shows and making life more miserable for everyone involved. So they need to really consider the time constraints. Like, no one asked for more wrestling. If anything, there's enough wrestling out there. If anything, you'd want it to be what it was. Three hours is good. That's the amount of attention span people can get. Because now we had, what, a a four- to maybe six hours of pay-per-view, three hours of Raw, and then two hours of SmackDown. That is overload of WWE. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I agree with you. And, and uh, you know, I, I feel like the normal people who watch WWE shows um, and are, you know, talking about it on Twitter... Um, I just got a text from uh, or a face a Twitter message from my buddy uh, John, who I mentioned earlier, uh, and he was he just was like, "It's kind of weird. Like no one's even talking about this show on my Facebook feed." And he follows a lot of you know he he's friends with a lot of wrestlers because he books uh, APW, and it like I think this was a show that people were just like like you said earlier. You know what? It is the summer. It is a Sunday in July. And I'm not going to waste my day watching a long pay-per-view, which I know will not matter in the end when it comes down to anything. Absolutely. It's it's WWE needing to look at themselves in the mirror and realize that less is more. And that's the, as the saying goes, less is more. And that's something they really need to look into because, as you said, as we said off the top, there was some good on this show, whether it's the Styles Rusev WWE Championship match or Roman Reigns Bobby Lashley, but a lot of it was bad and it was a lot of it unnecessary too. Yep, I agree with you. Um, and yeah, so now you know we have five weeks until SummerSlam. Thankfully, uh, there will be good wrestling on all month because of the G1. Uh, I would, uh, I know that you may not have the time to watch nightly. Uh, shows actually they're not every night but the way that i do it is um i just watch the five main matches and it takes you about an hour and a half if you fast forward through uh all of the uh all the introductions and and the entrances and stuff um and if you just focus on the singles matches you can get you can get through it so if you want to watch uh really good stuff i would suggest just getting uh, in uh, new japan world for the month and just go crazy with it it's, it's going to be a really fun tournament um and it's you know uh, hopefully i'll be able to talk to some folks about it and do some podcasts and stuff as well i know it just got started i do have new japan world it'll be trying to pencil it in because they are long shows i know you can just watch the g1 matches but uh i think it's already been off to a, a roaring start with uh the first two nights absolutely but and you can always like 
you know, you can you can always skip around too. Like if you only want to watch like maybe the last two matches because those are usually the two best matches, uh, you can do that. But yeah, it's 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 fun because you know you you mentioned something about this show. Um, well, maybe or maybe it was with my my uh, my friends who I was watching it today. They were basically like, you know, why nobody cares about this Seth uh, Dolph match is because nobody like wins and losses mean nothing, so they don't really care. They they just know they're going to have to be here for thirty minutes, and it doesn't you know it doesn't matter who wins this match because it won't matter. Uh, you know, it it doesn't play into anything. So in the G one, all of the wins and losses matter because it's a tournament. And it's, um, you know, you have, you have uh, two blocks, and the winners of the two blocks go into the final match, and the winner of that, you know, goes to the Tokyo Dome show at Wrestle Kingdom. So uh, it's the opposite uh, of WWE booking. So that, that's why wow, I enjoy it. Wow, something so straightforward. I'm, the, imagine. <laughs> imagine that. All right, man. Um, I kept you... I actually broke a promise with you. I kept you longer than I said I was. I guess we did have a whole lot to talk about this show that we didn't think that we were. I think we had to get some frustration out. Yeah, you're but, probably right. Uh, but, uh, yeah, definitely not one to really go out of your way to see. I think you should see the, the Reigns-Lashley uh, match. But, I mean, I'm not saying you got to go out of your way to see that. But it's one I would check out. But other than that, I mean, definitely a show to miss. And no Hogan, like they, they, you know, they could have brought him out. Maybe they're saving him for for SummerSlam, uh, but he, you know, he was there. They could have they they could have brought him out to maybe pop the crowd a little bit. But it seems like they're saving him, which is probably the right thing to do. Um, but yeah, so you know, Hogan's back. Extreme Rules kind of sucked. Oh well, life goes on, and there will be another three hours of Raw tomorrow. <laughs> Will you be checking out Raw tomorrow? Nope. You know why? Because I'm going to watch the G1 and I'm going to watch the Bachelorette. Those are the, those are the two things I'm watching. Better, absolutely better call. If anything, what I could do is catch up on the undercard of the UFC Boise show. Don't know if I'll do that, but I mean, I have more important things to do than three hours of Raw. Even my fiance has been like, "You're not watching the Raw as much anymore," and I'm like, "Nope, it's the summer." <laughs> Did, it's- does she really call it the Raw? No, she calls it. You haven't watched Raw lately. Oh, I'm okay. like, no, I don't care. <laughs> like, I enjoy. I've been to a couple indies recently. I've had more fun at those than three hours of Raw. I, I'm with you, man. All right. Uh, thanks to Jason. Uh, I'm Double G. We will see you when we see you. Peace out. <laughs>